Thank you for joining us on the Hope Church LB podcast. We're excited you came across this message. The sermon you are about to listen to is from our series, Awaken. If you're joining us for the first time, I want to be the first to say, welcome to Hope Church. Go ahead and open up the Hope Church LB app or visit hopechurchlb.com and click connect with us to fill out a short digital connection card. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review our podcast to help spread hope to the world. Once again, thanks for joining us today. Praise God. Praise God. Um, just want to follow in the words of, of, of Pastor Travis and just recognizing and being sensitive to and not, not wanting to overdo this anyway, in any way, but just realizing that here in the room this weekend or gathered online, there's just folks who are going through it. Going through it, and, and we get reports that come back to the office of people in, in sickness and in, in trial and struggle. And man, only a couple weeks into the year, and man, all those New Year's hopes and dreams is it just me or like some of those hopes and dreams of the new year just because of circumstances coming into our lives? It's some disappointment already. Can someone say amen? And so I, I just uh, feel a little bit of a, a weight this weekend, and I, I, I really, I, there is nothing in me that wants to, to waste your time. I don't ever want to waste your time. There's nothing in me that wants to say anything that isn't from your heavenly Father delivered to you. And so if you just join me in praying one more time, God... We want nothing less than for you to speak this weekend. We need a touch from you. We need a touch from you. And there's some people who are here this weekend and they don't know that it's you that they need, Lord. But would you, in these next few moments that we share together, would you reveal that you're the one that we need, God? In the midst of difficulty, in the midst of uncertainty, in the midst of all of the unknown, you are the one we need. And so some way, somehow, by the power of your Holy Spirit, by the time this time together is done, would you bring us to a point of neediness for you, desperation for you like never before. And to the person who may be here who is most resistant to depending on you, God, would you bring them to their knees in the most loving, kindest way possible. We love you, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And if you're hungry for the word of God, and if you're hungry to meet with Jesus tonight, would you give a hearty, hearty amen, amen. <laughs> Praise God. Awaken. Awaken is the name of our first teaching series of the year. And over the course of these next few weekends, we are going to be sharing biblical principles and truths 
that we hope awaken you, wake you up from your sleep so that you start off the year with strength even in the midst of difficulty. Uh, This teaching series is going to be capped off by a very special weekend, the weekend of January 27th through the 30th. We'll have special nights of prayer and worship and preaching that we want you to mark your calendars as we will cap off this Awaken series with an exciting Awaken weekend. And so I want to start off this Awaken series uh, teaching through a text. Matthew 6, 25 through 33 is the text that we're going to be in this weekend, if you got a Bible, you can go ahead and turn there. If you don't, all the verses are going to be on the screen. But this passage of Scripture is an excerpt from one of Jesus' most famous times of, of preaching. It's known as the Sermon on the Mount. It's the message he gave on the mountainside. So many quotable things in this sermon that Jesus gives, and really the whole of the sermon, what it's doing is Jesus is teaching on the upside-down nature of the kingdom of God. He's talking about how life as a follower of Jesus is different from life of someone who doesn't have a relationship with Jesus. And I'm going to start off with These first few verses, and I just got to tell you, I struggle to this day, but struggled more in the past with these verses, and hopefully you're going to catch my struggle even as we read the first few sentences. What does Jesus say? Do not be anxious about your life. Do not worry about your life. Yeah, easy for you to say, Jesus, you're God in a bod. (laughs) Don't worry about your life. Easy for you to say, you have God all over you, in you, around you. You are God. You don't have to be anxious about your life because you are the indestructible God. And you're telling us, do not worry about our life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about what your body, what you will put on. Easy for you to say, Jesus, you could take some Lunchables, a little two fish, three loaves, and multiply it, and then there's leftovers. Easy for you to say, Jesus. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Yes, for you, Jesus, but for me. He goes on to say, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Well, I sure hope so, Jesus. But I don't know what birds are thinking. He goes on. And which of you, by being anxious, worrying, could add a single hour to his span of life? Geez, that's a good thought. And why are you worried about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. 
So you're telling me I'm not supposed to be worried about clothing because you grow the flowers, Jesus? He goes on. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith, are you making fun of me, Jesus? You're just calling me out for my lack of faith. He continues. Therefore, do not be anxious, because if I take care of the flowers, if I take care of the birds, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, what shall we wear for the Gentiles? Seek after all these things. Worldly folks, seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. Okay, your church folks, you say amen, that's good. But someone, anyone in the room say, this is hard. This is hard. This is difficult. And when, when Jesus uses this word anxious, I've highlighted it throughout the text. As I do some deeper study, one of the commentators, Martin Lloyd-Jones, such a great expositor of God's word, this is what he has to say about the word anxious and worry that's repeatedly used in this text. He says, indeed, the actual word that was used by our Lord is a very interesting one. It is the word used to indicate something which divides, separates, or distracts us. It is a mind which is divided into sections and compartments and which is not functioning as a whole. It's the same word that Jesus uses when he's talking to Mary and Martha and talking about why are you worried about other things? Your mind is divided. It's distracted. And I don't know about you, but coming into a new year for many years, my mind was distracted and divided over the material needs of my life. And so here's the question that I want to ask and answer tonight. What one thing, if there could be one thing that we could prioritize so that 2022 can be the year where our financial and material needs are not a distraction to us, what would that one thing be? How many of you would like 2022 to be a year like never before you were not distracted over the material and financial needs of your life? Am I talking to anyone who's interested tonight? Someone say amen. amen. And here's why I think this is important. Here's my burden. There's a, a few people who are on my heart as I think about the message this weekend. Some of you are distracted by attaining financial and material stability. Some of you here this weekend, watching online, as you sit here watching online, you are distracted by what you don't have materially and financially. Many of you, you sit here distracted and you think about Man, that 15th of the month can't come any sooner. I'm running low on some finances right now. And it's not that you're just worried about it or anxious about it. You're distracted by it. There are many times when you can't worship God fully because you're distracted by your physical and material and financial needs. But there's a second type 
of person. You're, you're not worried or distracted about attaining financial stability. Others of you are distracted by maintaining or increasing financial and material stability. Some of you this weekend who are here at Hope Church, you make in a month what some of us make in a year. Can you raise your hand so we can know who you are? Just kidding, just kidding. (laughs) Stop it, stop it. But some of you, you're very successful. You do very well financially. But if the truth be told, you are just as distracted about your financial situation as the person who's just trying to make ends meet. Because maybe you make $20,000, $30,000 a month, but your expenses are $22,000, $35,000 a month. And as much as you're thankful for the financial resources that you have, if you're honest, you're distracted, you're worried, you're anxious. In general, many Christians here, my final burden, many followers of Jesus, our lives are more characterized by worrying over things than worshiping God. We worry. We worry about material things. Now, before you put up the next slide, I'm burdened for this, and I'd like you to lean into this, and I have a lot of emotional connection to this, because in 2001, I foolishly, foolishly dropped out of college. I was a student at UC Berkeley. I dropped out of UC Berkeley, started my own business, and from 2001 till about 2010, I had an obsession with material and financial progression. I was a Christian. I was going to church. I was serving the Lord. Yet if the truth be told, I was distracted often by my financial situation. And let me tell you, That worrying, that anxiousness, starting out the year, every single year at the top of the year, setting goals for how my financial situation was going to be different, let me just show you where that led me. From 2001 to 2010, nearly a decade, by 2010, I had started a fourth business that was failing. We had no benefits for my wife and I. Two of our cars had recently gotten repossessed. If you don't know what that means, that means taken away. I was unable to open a checking account because of financial decisions I had made that were foolish. My wife, she's sitting there. You need to give her a round of applause for staying married to me. She was distressed and frustrated and a whole bunch of other adjectives I could put to describe her that aren't very kind. And I had a self-serving, divided mind faith. And I just think I'm not the only one who's been there before. And so one more time, what's the question I'm going to ask? What is the one thing? 
What changed for me? What was I awakened to in 2010? Because in 2010, I was awakened to a reality that has made the decade from 2010 to present totally different. And it's the next thing that Jesus says. The very next thing that Jesus says in this passage about do not be anxious, do not worry, I take care of the birds, I take care of the flowers. He says this, you're very familiar with it, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. This is what he says. This is what we're supposed to do. So how am I going to teach through this one verse? Three questions, I love an outline, here it is. What is, what is, I'm going to answer three questions. The approach of this one thing, the approach to this one thing that we're supposed to prioritize. What is the approach? Everyone say the approach. After the approach, I'm going to talk about the definition. What is the definition of this one thing? Everyone say the definition. And then lastly, I'm going to talk about the promise. If we seek this one thing, there is a promise. Everyone say the promise. All right, let's look at the approach. Jesus says, seek first. Seek first. Now, I'm not going to spend too much time here. Seek first. What does this mean? Here we go. Next slide. Continually pursue before everything else. This idea of seek It's not just one time. It's not just periodically. This idea of seek, the word in the Greek, means to continuously, aggressively, passionately pursue. What's the word first mean? It means not second. (laughs) Means not third. It means not seventh. It means first. First means first. You're supposed to go, wow, that's wise. (laughs) Continually pursue before everything else. If I was to be honest with you, from 2001 to 2010, what did I continually pursue before everything else? Financial and material wealth. That is what I sought first. What do you seek first? What do you seek first? What do you continually pursue before everything else? And I know many of you are like, God, God, I'm here on a Thursday. I mean, come on. Here's how you can find out. I dare you to ask three people who are in your immediate circle What would you say I continually pursue before everything else? Who's going to ask their friend or family member that this weekend? (laughs) You're not too excited about that, are you? (laughs) Let the truth set you free. Ask your husband, ask your wife, ask your mom, ask your child, ask your brother, ask your sister. I dare you. Don't you want to be aware of what you seek first? No, you don't. You don't. You didn't say yes. You don't. All right. 
That's what seek first means, to continually pursue before everything else. Let's keep it moving. What are we going to talk about next? The definition of the one thing. What is this one thing? It's the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Other translations say the kingdom and his righteousness. This is maybe the most complex section of the passage to understand. What is, okay, if I'm supposed to continually pursue before everything else the kingdom of God and his righteousness, what is that? Well, I lean on some folks who are a lot wiser than I, who've been studying the scriptures for a lot longer than I, to come up with some ideas about what the kingdom of God and his righteousness is. Tony Evans, a great preacher and expositor of God's word, he says this, to seek his kingdom is to seek to live in accordance with his standards and his guidelines. Everyone say his standards. Everyone say his guidelines. And for those of you who just, his is God's. God's standards and God's guidelines. That's to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Uh, another commentator here, Douglas Sean O'Donnell, from this preacher's commentary that I use often. Here's a very robust, full definition. It means that you live for the spread of the reign of Christ throughout the world. It means that you declare with your mouth and demonstrate with your life that you believe in Jesus, that you embrace the eternal king and his everlasting reign, and that you passionately desire that his name should receive from all people everywhere the honor which is due to it. That's a mouthful. Do you seek that first? <laughs> Don't answer yes so quickly. Another... Uh, Great theologian, great pastor, founded Hope Church 21 years ago. Vance Pittman, when teaching on the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he says it this way. His kingdom is his activity around me, and his righteousness is his activity in me. Come on, somebody. Vance Pittman, that's good teaching. His activity around me and his activity in me. Now, not to undermine or take away from any of these definitions at all. These are great definitions. I just have one that, that has helped me live this out, and I hope it helps you live this out. What is the kingdom of God and his righteousness? I say it this way. God's will done God's way, in God's timing, for God's glory. Do you seek that first? Do you seek the will of God, what God wants? The what, the will, what he wants. The how, God's way. The when, God's timing, and for the why, God's glory. I know at any given point, a lot of times I can maybe check off one or two of those, but if you take them all together, many times I'm leaving one out, at least. God's will done God's way. So when it comes to your finances and how you want to get financially secure, 
Are you seeking it? God's will? God's way? In God's timing, are you rushing it? For God's glory so that he can deserve the praise or so that you could be comfortable? When it comes to the desires that you have for your children, do you seek God's will, done God's way, in God's timing for God's glory? When it comes to your health, do you ultimately seek God's will, done God's way, and God's timing for God's glory? And you might say, well, what is that? And I don't know the nuances of all that this means for your specific situation, but my question to you is this. Do you want this? Do you seek this first? Here's what I think what I've sought over the course of my life for many, many years, especially from 2001 to 2010, and maybe you can relate to this. Here's our typical approach. God, please bless my will done my way in my timing for my glory. How many of you would just admit one time for the love of God that this is our approach? God bless what I'm trying to do. My approach, my approach in this relationship, I have an approach. I know we're not supposed to be living together. Uh-oh, here I go. I know we're not supposed to be sleeping together. But this is my way and this is my will, so I'm going to go to Hope Church and ask, God, would you bless that, please? I can't pay my taxes, so I'm not going to pay my taxes. But God, would you please keep me safe? I'm not going to do the right thing at work because if I do the right thing at work, that might get me fired. So God, would you bless this wrong way so that I don't get fired? This was me. It was a year. I wanted to make a certain amount of money. And so I had the bright idea. I'm going to give 10% of the amount of money I want to make. And if I give that, maybe I'll make what I want to make. And I know, I know you're looking at me. Hi, did they hire you? Why did they put you up here? Talk about God, bless my, it wasn't about God, what would you have me to give? It was God, this is what I want to come into my household, so I'm going to give you this to see if I could force your hand. Gosh, it's ugly, my heart. God's will, done God's way, in God's timing, for God's glory. That is the kingdom in his righteousness. So, finally, what's the promise? What's the promise? If, if we do this, what's the promise? All these things will be added unto you. Uh, seems like simple reading of this would mean if we continually pursue God's will done his way in his timing for his glory... God will take care of everything else. Here's the promise. 
Plain and simple, God will take care of everything else. If we seek God first in his righteousness, he will take care of everything else. Let me put it all together. Matthew 6.33, the Edward Revised Translation says it this way. (laughs) Continually pursue before everything else God's will done God's way in God's timing for God's glory and God will take care of everything else. And God will take care of everything else. And so this is what happened for me in 2010. A tale of two decades. From 2000 to 2010, and then from 2010 to 9. What changed? There was this moment. My wife here can attest. I had had enough. Enough disappointing my wife. Enough feeling the anxiousness and distracted mind. Enough is enough, and I'll never forget. I said, honey, that's it. I don't want what I want for myself anymore. I don't want it. I'm sick and tired of trying to make much of myself, trying to attain this wealth, and using God as my genie in a bottle to make it happen. I'm tired. And this is what it looked like for me. Growing those businesses, I had, I had uh, quit jobs because I just thought I was better than the job I was at. Come on, any of you ever been there before or just me? Oh, just me, just going to leave me hanging. That's fine, that's fine. I'm above this, and so I thought I was so above it that I quit, and then I was broke. I'm not above broke, obviously, because I was broke. But this is what surrendering to God's will, God's way, and God's timing for God's glory looked like for me. I said, you know what? I'll work wherever. And I meant it. And and nothing against if you work at a movie theater or Barnes and Nobles. Nothing against that at all. But for me, that was the statement I needed to make. I literally said to my wife, if it means working at a movie theater... This is after six years being married. How old was I at that time? I'm like uh, 28 years old. This means working at a movie theater, working at the bookstore. I don't care anymore. I just need to humble myself before God and do what he wants me to do and trust that all things will be added unto me. And I put that surrender before the Lord, and all I could tell you is 10 years later, you could ask my wife, I have worried very, very little about finances. And it's not that I hit the lotto the next day. It's not that things got better overnight. I just leaned into a biblical promise of God that if you seek him first, all these things will be added unto you. So how can we apply this message to our lives? A few ways, and then we'll begin to close. Number one, surrender your will done your way. What is it for you? For you sitting here. Come on, let's not play church. Let's not just come here to come here. And What is it for you? If you're being honest, I want this my way. Or maybe I want it God's way, but I want it in my timing. 
Is it something with your finances? Is it something with where you live? Is it something with your job? Where have you been holding on? Is it a desire that you have for your children? See, sometimes, I mean, being a good mother, being a good father, it's such a noble task. Of course you want to prioritize that. But not over seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What area of your life do you need to put before God and just say, that is it? No more. And what if, like for me in 2010, for you, January of 2022, could you imagine the next decade of your life being more distraction-free, more worry-free, more anxious-free from the financial and material needs of this world? If you're interested in that, The application for you is to surrender, to let go. One of the ways in which you could work this out, because remember, seek first, it's a a continual pursuit. It's not enough to just say, okay, I surrender it tonight, but not to continually pursue. Our team has collaborated to put together a, a prayer guide for the next 21 days. Starting on Monday, we are going to pray as a church, have a 21-day prayer emphasis on this principle of seeking first the kingdom of God. And so I want to encourage you to, to join us, to engage on your way out. Pick up one of these prayer guides every single day. There's a prayer to pray. There's a scripture to read. There's room for a reflection to write right in this prayer guide. And we encourage you to continually pursue, to be active in seeking first the kingdom of God by joining with us in prayer as a church family. Finally, this Tuesday, in just a few days, we're going to be having a special night of prayer and worship From 7 to 8.30, we're going to be in the next-gen building, and we are going to seek God together as a church family. And I just want to invite you, join us in that way. Then as a reminder, at the end of January, we'll be getting together for that Awaken Weekend event. Join us, join us. Here are the ways. Now, at this point in the message, if I've got you where I want you, You should be feeling a sense of inadequacy. Does someone feel inadequate to doing the work of seeking God first? Someone say, amen, I know I do. And can I just tell you, this isn't about pulling yourself up by your bootstraps, leaving here today, and trying harder to seek God first. How many of you are interested in the power to pursue this one thing? Any of you interested in the power to pursue this one thing? Let's take a look at what Jesus says. 
Truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, that the son does likewise. Jesus lived a seek first the kingdom of God life. Do you see it? He said, I do only what my father does. In another section of scripture, he says it this way. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. God's will, God's way, God's timing for God's glory. And this wasn't just things he said. It's what he actually did. Look at Luke 22. In that moment in the garden. Proceeding. Death on a cross for our sin. What did he say? God, please take this responsibility from me. Nevertheless, I want your kingdom to come. I want your will to be done. I seek first God. So where does the power come from? I love this about Hope Church. I love that this is the refrain that we don't get God's blessing by doing anything for God. But the way we receive and enjoy the blessing of God is by trusting Jesus to press his perfect life down through us and out. As we abide in the vine, which is Jesus, he presses down his seek first life in us and through us. Why for 10 years have I not worried about my financial circumstances? It's not because I'm trying hard. It's because Jesus is living through me in this way. He's living through me. Jesus is living through me and I am not worried because he's not worried. I don't have a problem seeking God first because he first sought God first and now he lives that life through me as I surrender to him. It's not about trying hard. It's about surrendering and letting Jesus live a seek first life through you. Would you bow your heads and let's pray. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for Jesus. Because Jesus surrendered on that night in the garden. Going to the cross, paying the price for our sin. We could be forgiven for all of the times we haven't surrendered. Thank you for that good news. All the times when we sought family first, when we sought finances first, when we sought relationships first, when we sought our comfort first, God, I'm so thankful that Jesus came so that we might be cleansed of the unrighteousness of seeking other things than you. Thank you for the forgiveness of Jesus in this place. And now, Jesus, in only the way that you can, would you press your seek first life through us for your glory? We can't do it. 
There are some people in this room who I know are exhausted like I was exhausted in 2010. And God, I pray that by your Holy Spirit, in these concluding moments of the service, that they would have a surrender moment that would mark their life forever. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Here's how I'd like us to respond. We're going to sing a song of surrender. There's some of you who are here this weekend and you've never surrendered your life to Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. You've never been made right with God through the person of Jesus Christ. His perfect life lived on your behalf. His death, burial, and resurrection, substituting his life for yours. And if you want to start a relationship with Jesus, receive his forgiveness. In just a few moments, there's going to be some pastors who are going to be here from the stage. And we would just like to invite you to come and let us know, I want a relationship with the Jesus who forgives me for all the times I sought other things first. For the rest of us, I was praying about who God might call to respond this weekend. And obviously, generally, most generally, if you know that you've been holding on specifically around finances and material gain and maintaining it and growing it, As an act of surrender, I invite you to come down to this altar and say, God, I want your will, your way, your timing for your glory in my finances, in my family, in my marriage. Even if it means it hurts, even if it means it takes longer, I want to get in on this and everything else will be added unto you. So if that's you generally, I want to invite you to come. But I felt like the Lord put on my heart this weekend to talk to those of you who are with us. Who you're the the husband or the wife or the daughter or the parent of the one who seeks God first. But you're not the one who seeks God first. You just come because you know if you come, then there's going to be peace in the home. You tag along. And you sit and you go through it and you're fine and you have no problem with God. But if the truth be told, you don't seek him first. Your wife does. Your children do. Your cousin does. Your son does. And you just want to be with your son so you come to church so you can be with your son. I just don't know. I don't know how much time you have. I don't know if you have another year to be dissatisfied and distracted and ho-hum when God says, it's you, it's you I want to have a relationship with. It's not your wife, it's you. It's not your son, it's you I want to have a relationship with. It's not your coworker who invited you. It's you. 
And not out of emotionalism, because I'm yelling at you. But out of a true conviction that I think the God of the universe is talking to me that it's my time to seek him first. Then I just want to ask you, get up out of your seat and come down. If you are able, get in your own seat. It's not, it's just the posture of your heart that says, it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. And I guarantee you, the God of all creation, he wants to open his arms in love. He wants to be the God of, and all these things will be added unto you. But you've got to seek him first. In the same way, if you seek him first, all these things will be added unto you. i got to tell you the truth, friend. If you don't seek him first, none of these things will be added unto you. As the Holy Spirit of God leads you, come forward for prayer, come kneel at these altars, and let's sing this song of surrender to God and trust that he'll do in us what we can't do in ourselves.